Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Wednesday night is Bible study, so here we are. And uh, tonight we're looking at the story of Job. Yes, indeed, the entire story. How many of you know the story of Job? Really, this is like, I really want you to, I'm asking not just because I really want to know. How many of you really know the story of Job? You really do? Okay, good. That's what I thought. So, and that's the problem, right? Because you all know the story of Job. And I'm not going to dig deep and find some obscure, hidden kind of thing here. I'm going right for the main point of Job. There it is. Do you fear God for nothing? That's the point. That's your takeaway tonight. I'm giving it to you right up front. So I know I run a risk here of you going, okay, I can check out now. Hang with me, all right? I'll give you a little bit more, but that's the point. Do you fear God for nothing? So here we go. Job 1.1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, some translators use the word perfect, but Job was not perfect. He was blameless, and he was upright. He, he was honest. He, he wasn't crooked. He was straight. He, he shunned, he rejected evil. But here's what ties it all together. If you read that verse, he feared God. His fear of God was the central issue. It's the central issue of this whole story, the fear of God. And so this is where our work begins. This is where we're going to spend a good bit of time here, the fear of the Lord. It says he fears God. Well, what, is, what does that mean? There's a lot of different definitions I've read. I went through like a bazillion of them of what people think that the fear of God means. The fear of, You probably have a definition. You probably heard several yourself. I want to look at what, what does Scripture say about it? What's the Bible? How does it define the fear of the Lord? Well, let's, the thing about the fear of the Lord is it can be both ways. It can be positive and it can be negative. So first of all, we're going to take the positive, the, the negative, the negative definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is terror, terror, dread, like, ah, fear, that kind of fear. It's the kind of fear you feel when you're alone at night and you hear something. It's the kind of fear you feel when you're out in the woods by yourself and it's dark and it's like rainy like it is right now and you hear a low growl behind you. It's where your hair on the back of your neck stands up. It's the dread of impending doom. It's the terror of wait till your father gets home. (laughs) It's the terror when you're wrong. When you know that something bad is about to happen because you deserve it. It's the terror, the fear. And this is not, this is not the fear of the Lord that Job was living by. This is not what we're talking about here because Job was blameless. So there was nothing he had to have dread about. 
There was no impending doom. There was no judgment coming his way. He was perfectly fine with God. God was not coming to judge him. This fear, this terror, is reserved for one kind of person, the fool. You read in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They, the fools, are corrupt. They, fools, do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Now, the psalmist, he starts this way, and then he goes down through the chapter, and he describes a little bit on the fool, and then he comes around and he says, and this is what the fool has to face. He says in verse 5, there they are in great terror. It's the same word, fear. For God is with the generation of the righteous, but he's not with the fool. So fear of the Lord can mean terror. But when Christians live in the fear of the Lord, it's positive. It's something quite different. It's not terror. So it's, it's not fear of punishment. It's not fear of judgment. And that's why John later is going to say in, in 1 John, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It casts out terror. It casts out dread. There is no dread in love. For fear, terror, has to do with punishment. And whoever fears, whoever has that kind of dread, has not been perfected in love. So, again, the positive. What, that's the negative. What's the positive? What is the positive fear of the Lord? What does it mean for us? Well, there's several elements to it. We're going to go through several of them here. The first one is fear of the Lord is awe. Fear of the Lord is awe. Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord... Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Simply, there's awe, there's respect, there's reverence. Why? Because God is immense. He's God. He's the creator of all things. Through him, all things were created. By him, everything was made that has been made. In him was life. All of it came from God. And you stand and you think about that and you go, wow. It's that awe that says, wow. And so, that's one kind of fear. And that kind of awe is the difference from terror as, say, the lion who's about to eat you, you're terrified. The lion who's on your side, you're in awe. Next, fear of the Lord is receptive. Proverbs 28. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And here you see the fear of the Lord is contrasted against those who harden their heart. Having a fear of the Lord means your heart is soft and it's receptive to his purposes. There's no resistance. There's no hesitancy. There, there's only openness and there's a willingness to do whatever he asks. And this goes along with the fear of the Lord is humility. Fear of the Lord is humility. Psalm 22 kind of spells it out. Humility is the fear of the Lord. To walk in the fear of the Lord means that you recognize who God is and who God isn't. Specifically, you realize that God isn't you. And I can be humble because he's God, I'm not. And I'm going to submit to what he wants and what he does. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is obedience. Ecclesiastes 12. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, 
for this is the whole duty of man. Fear of the Lord lived out is obedience. Fear of the Lord as we live it out is obedience because we're humble before him. We recognize that he is God. We're in awe of him and therefore we're obedient to him. Fear of the Lord is not about you. It's about him. Next, fear of the Lord is hope. Psalm 147. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. See, fear of the Lord recognizes that he takes pleasure in us. You see it there. He takes pleasure in those who fear him. And that as awesome and powerful and jaw-dropping as God is, he gets personal with us. And we can hope in him because he's on our side. Because if he is for us, then it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter what's against us because he's on our side. So there's hope. Then fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is healthy. Take you to the New Testament. Acts says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit it increased in numbers. See, living in the fear of the Lord, when you pattern your life and live out in the fear of the Lord as he intended, it's healthy. Because you're living the way he wants you to live. So it's healthy. There is, and there will be, growth. A church that lives in the fear of the Lord is going to grow. If you find a church and it's not growing, and it's shrinking, then you got to ask yourself, what, do you, what fear are you living according to? Are you living according to the fear of people? Who's in charge? See, when God is in charge and you live according to the fear of the Lord, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to keep going. It's healthy. Fear of the Lord is delight. Fear of the Lord is delight. Isaiah 11. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Nehemiah, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. When you truly live in the fear of the Lord, it's not a struggle. It's a delight. See, that's something I think many people misunderstand. They think that living in the fear of the Lord is, oh, it's just got to try so hard. No, it's a delight. Because he gets to be God and I don't have to be. I can humble myself before him. I can obey him and simply live in the delight of what he wants in my life. It's a delight. Now, there's a whole bunch more things that we could, there, I mean, there's tons of scripture about what the fear of the Lord is. But I think that there's one thing, and I may be leaving out your favorite thing. You say, well, I know this scripture and I know that scripture. Okay. I think there's one thing that kind of encapsulates all of it. It kind of ties it all together. It captures it all. And it's this. Fear of the Lord is faith. Fear of the Lord is faith. Psalm 115. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Proverbs 14. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. When you live in the fear of the Lord, you are living in faith and trust.
that God is who he says he is, that he does what he says he's going to do. You know who he is. And as pastor's been talking about on Sunday morning, you know who you are. You know his identity, you know your identity. And there is faith and there is trust. You have confidence and you have courage of the Holy Spirit. You know the Lion of Judah is on your side. So there's faith, there's trust. More than anything, you know that your confidence isn't because of you, it's because of Jesus. Paul put it this way in Colossians, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith. And those verses right there perfectly describe Job. He was blameless. He was fully living by faith, holy and above reproach. So back to the story. We have Job. He's blameless. He's upright. And it's not because of his own perfection, but it's because he's living by faith. He's living in the fear of the Lord by faith. So verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, of course, the great part of this story is none of this would happen if God hadn't pointed him out. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. Seriously, God starts this. God points Job out and says, hey, 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 have you considered my servant? He's living in the fear of the Lord. That's great. So here we get to the central theme. We get to the central question. It's in verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. The main question of the book of Job is not suffering. It's not about suffering. If you come to the book of Job and you're looking for answers to why people suffer, why I suffer, why suffering happens, you're going to be really disappointed because that's not the point. And that question doesn't get answered. It's not about suffering. It's not the issue. The issue is faith. And the the real issue here is, does Job fear God for nothing? Does he serve for nothing? Does he obey for nothing? Is he living out his life for God for nothing? Because I, I love promises that are really positive. I, don't we all love promises that are positive? You love, you love promises that, are, have, that faith is, you know, positive and it's, it's promoting things that, you know, bring joy and happiness. You love it when, when we, there's messages of faith that say, you know, there's going to be happiness and wealth and prosperity and it's all going to be fine and dandy and it's going to be great and you get all hyped up and it's all yay. But will you fear God for nothing? Because here's what I can absolutely guarantee you. If if you gave in the offering tonight, you have less money than you did before. If you give the Lord his tithes, 
And the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe is 10%. It's a full 10%. If you're like chipping in $5, that's not tithing. That's like tipping the waiter and God's a little bit more important than that. But anyway, if you're given a tithe, if you're given 10%, here's what I can absolutely guarantee you. You will have 10% less than you did before. So will you serve, fear, obey God for nothing? It's quiet. It's really quiet in here. Satan isn't dumb. This is a really good question. It's a really good question. And in the story of Job, this question is going to be developed, and it's going to be developed in three ways. There's going to be three kind of sub-questions as you, as you read through the book of Job, which thankfully we're not going to do that because you already have, I'm sure. But if you go through all 40-something chapters, you find these three things are developed Three questions. The first one is this. Will you fear God while you suffer? Will you fear God while you suffer? Satan says, of course Job has faith. You give him everything. You spoil him. You, you give him all this stuff. Of course he has faith. He doesn't, he doesn't love you. He loves what you give him. If you take all that stuff away... He's not going to fear you. He's not going to follow you. He's not going to serve you. Satan doesn't understand Job because Satan doesn't understand faith. Satan never has understood faith. He's never going to understand faith. Trust me. Satan, Satan lives by sight, not by faith. And he sees all these blessings and he kind of gets it turned around And he says, well, faith brought you blessings, and so blessings must bring you faith. And if you don't have blessings, then you must not have faith. In fact, a lot of people think that. Oh, well, you don't have blessings, you you must not have enough faith. Your your faith must be weak. You You need more faith. That's what you need. And then you'd all be blessed, and you'd have all this stuff, and you'd be, like, driving the new car and all that stuff. Oh, because your faith. You don't have enough faith. That's what it is. No. That's a misunderstanding of what faith is. Satan goes ahead. He takes it all away. He takes away the possessions. He takes away his servants. He takes away his children. Takes away everything. All gone. On the same day. It's always astounding to me. It's like, whew, on the same day. And he says... Okay, Job, will you fear God while you suffer? Will you fear God when his blessings are all gone? And Job responds. Verse 21 of the first chapter. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, The blessings didn't belong to me, so what does it matter if they go away? And Satan, the ultimate blessing is the name, the character of my Lord. I'd like to see you try to take that away. Go pick the pocket of the lion. See how that works out for you. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. So have you really taken anything away? No, I don't think so. That's Job's response. Of course, that's not the end of the story because Job has friends and a wife. So the second question is this. Will you fear God when friends simulate enemies? Will you fear God when it feels like you're alone? Will you fear God when all the people that you've trusted and have been singing your high praises suddenly are really quiet? Or worse yet, they start talking bad about you. They start acting like enemies. They misunderstand you. They, they do things which hurt your feelings. Will you fear God when, will you fear God when no one notices? Will you fear God when you serve and it seems like everybody else gets blessed? Everybody else gets noticed? Everybody else gets liked? But not you. Will you serve? Will you fear God when no one appreciates you? Will you fear God when you're not getting what you think you deserve? When, will you serve when and act in hope and act in humility? Will you act in reverence, in respect, when it's out of step with everybody else? When no one else comforts you, when they don't encourage you, when instead they kind of ignore you and walk away and get in their groups with the People who seem blessed because, yeah. Will you fear God when friends simulate enemies? And thirdly, will you fear God when he is silent? Will you fear God when he is silent? We are creatures of reason. It is built within each of you to want to know why. It's built in. It's not wrong. It's built in. Asking why is what we were made to do. Even if you say, well, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. You do. And you'll ask why. We want to know why. Reminds me of a t-shirt I saw recently. I dream of a world where chickens can cross the road without having their motives questioned. You're welcome. If you get nothing else, you got that to take home. Why? We want to know why. Job wants to know why. He wants to question God. Instead, God questions Job. And God never answers his question. God never tells him why. So will you fear God when he's silent? When he, will you fear God when he doesn't tell you why? Will you fear God when the unexplainable happens? Will you fear God when it doesn't make sense? When it doesn't match everything that you thought you knew about God? When it doesn't match everything that you expected God to do? Will you fear God? Will you obey? Will you be humble? Will you be reverent? Will you be in awe? Will you delight? In fearing God. When God is silent. And let me just tell you three things. When God is silent, you need to remember these three things. One, God has a right. 
He has a right to be silent. He has a right not to answer your questions. Why? Because he's God. (laughs) He doesn't need to answer your questions. Most of the time, our question of God on why is because if we knew why, then we tell God why he was wrong. You tell me why. If you tell me why, then I'll tell you why you missed this one. You you messed this one up, God. mm, Sorry. Most of the time, you're pretty good. This one, I don't think so. And God doesn't have to answer your question. He has a right. He's Lord. Also, he has a reason. He has a reason. God has a reason. And Job recognizes both of these things. If you look at chapter 42, verse 2, he says, I know you can do all things. You have a right, God. And I know that no purpose of yours can be thwarted because you have purposes. You have a reason And you're not telling me what that reason is, but I know you have a reason. And I don't understand the reason, but I don't need to because you have a reason. He has a right. And that doesn't mean you'll know what it is. It doesn't make sense. Oh, it doesn't have to make sense to you. It does make sense. We hear the Lord and fear the Lord anyway. And finally, there is a finally. Not only does he have a right and a reason, he has a reward. He has a reward. God has a reward. And you say, well, I, I, thought, I thought this was about fear of the Lord when there is no reward. I, I thought this was about fear of the Lord for nothing. Correct. But there is a reward anyway. And, and here's the good part. This is, this, is, this is good right here. So you need to, if you've been like dozing till now, you might want to wake up your neighbor. All right. Because here at the end of the story, God tells Job, I want you to pray for your friends. And I can picture Job going, my friends. Oh, you mean my frenemies. God says, Job, they're in trouble. I need you to pray for them. And you know that fear of the Lord list we went through on the front page? All the fear of the Lord is this. I'm going to give you one more. Fear of the Lord is forgiveness. Fear of the Lord is forgiveness. And this might have been Job's greatest test. In fact, I think it was. He lost everything. He had people turn against him. God was silent, but now he has to forgive. He has to pray. And specifically, he has to pray for them. God tells him in verse 9 that you, I want you to pray for them that nothing that they deserve will happen to them. That they don't get what they deserve. That there is no revenge. That there is no payback. That they don't even have to apologize to you. You need to pray for them. Verse 10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And there it is. Job is rewarded after he had already prayed for his friends. After he submitted and delighted in the fear of the Lord. Will you fear the Lord 
for nothing. Even when it means you have to forgive for nothing. Because God rewards. God rewards because that's who he is. He's a rewarder, so he rewards. He loves because he's a lover. It's who he is. He can't help it. Psalm 22, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that, no, that one may turn away from the snares of death. One more, fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The only issue here is the timeline. It's the only issue. God is a healer, so you will be healed. The issue is the timeline. Will it be now or it will be in eternity? God is a rewarder, so you will be rewarded. The only issue is the timeline. Will it be now or will it be later? Will you fear God for nothing? And I thought of another question here. What would it take for Satan to buy you off? Kingdoms of the world? Angels standing by to help you anytime you need it? Piece of bread? Two minutes of pleasure? One minute of revenge? What's it take to buy you off? Will you fear the Lord for nothing? Here's here's what Satan didn't understand. Gain the world, lose everything. Fear the Lord for nothing, gain everything. Because eventually everyone's going to fear the Lord. Either in terror... Whereas one who has died for them, who's created them, and loves them immensely. Will you fear the Lord for nothing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you have loved us. When we were hostile and enemies of you, you loved us. When we were so not deserving, still aren't, Lord, you love us. Lord, may we fear you. May we walk in the fear of the Lord that recognizes who you are and what you long to do in our life, that you long health, you long for us to have a delight and a happiness and a a satisfaction in, in walking in the fear of the Lord. Lord, we pray that as we go from here, Lord, you would burn that deep in our soul, that we would find that delight, that we would find that satisfaction. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that has not made that step, Lord, that has not come to you and is living resistant to you, Lord, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak to them tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you. May you be glorified and honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great night. Greet each other as you go. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.